0: Scripture reading tonight will be from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it reads, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I'm very happy to be with you this evening, and I'm very grateful for your presence tonight. We're always very happy to have everyone with us, and encourage you to be back with us Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. As you can see before you, we're looking tonight, just this particular night, at the great book of Revelation. And you probably know, those of you who know me, know how important that book is to me. It really is very near and dear to my heart. And I think that anyone who studies it and spends some time with it will really grow in love and appreciation of this great book. As you see from our reading tonight, verse 3 in particular... He talks about a a blessed relationship. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. It's the first positive statement that comes from the last book of the Bible. And it is a blessing. And I thought it would be a good way to go through the book of Revelation and look at the Beatitudes of the Revelation and just see what we can learn and it will help us learn the book as well. As you go through the book of Revelation, you see this word blessed coming up over and over again. It means happy. Reminds you of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And on and through that great section called the Beatitudes. It comes from the original word makarios, which means to be happy. Uh, To congratulate one. To have the congratulations of others. I Spend some time with this book, and you'll soon see some of the blessing that God has in store for us. And it is a challenging book, I know. And so to help us in the beginning moments of our study tonight, not to get embroiled in a discussion of the symbols that uh, so much are characteristic of this great book of the Bible, I thought I'd spend just a few minutes talking about the structure of the book. And that'll help us see where we're going And give you a good understanding of what the book is about. The first thing that you're going to read about in the book of Revelation. Is this discussion about Jesus. And the seven churches that are found in the Roman province of Asia Minor. And the discussion that John gives with regard to Jesus. And the description in chapter 1. Really is one that you want to experience and read very carefully. How he describes the Lord. And then you have those seven churches. Seven because... You know, I think even down then and down through the ages, everything described in those seven churches, we're going to find ourselves mirrored somewhere in those churches, maybe part of this one or part of that one. And I think that may be some of the divine wisdom behind the matter of giving us seven, in that he's saying no matter where you are as a child of God and as a people of God, you're going to face some challenges here, you're going to face some problems there. And the first part of the book through chapter 3 really becomes a a very helpful self-examination for a congregation to look at who they are and what they ought to be. And then you look at verses chapters 4 through 7. That's the next section I think would be an easy way to divide the book and helpful to remember. He talks about human history and the destiny of mankind. And I love this section because in chapter 4, these people who are suffering so much at the hands of the Romans, and also persecution from Judaizing teachers and the Jews themselves, uh, they in turn see this great vision of God. And John describes the great throne there, and how that there was a rainbow around the throne, and there was a sea of glass like crystal, and and the four and twenty elders worshiping around the throne, and the great multitude that were there. And he's saying in chapter 4, believe in God. And then in chapter 5, he talks about the book, the little book, sealed with seven seals. And no one was worthy to open the the seals. And uh, John begins to weep, but one of the elders said, Do not weep, because there's one right over there that uh, is worthy to open the seals. And then when Jesus took the book out from the right hand of God, the whole chorus in heaven erupts in praise of the Lamb the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what John is saying by revelation in chapter 5 is believe in Christ. Believe in God, chapter 4, he is with you. Believe in Christ, he reveals, will execute the will and the plan of God. And you have chapters 6 and 7 discussing these important matters, the unfolding of the seals. And a seal, of course, was a matter of sealing up the book to give it officiality and And to secure the message. But now a seal is opened up and that reveals God's dealing with mankind. Then a second seal is opened up and that reveals another of the dealings of mankind all the way through the sixth seal. Then you have the seven trumpets, chapters 8 through 11. The seven trumpets, of course, talk about the proclamation of the will of God. And it's another division of the book which helps us. The blowing of the trumpets talks about the proclamation of the message that God is trying to get people to repent before it is too late. And then you have the next section. I've divided it this way, chapters 12 through 14, the boy, the dragon, and the beast. And, of course, the woman is ready to give birth to the child. And it looks like that the old dragon is going to come and destroy the child. And then, of course, there's the beast of the sea, which has seven heads that comes up out of the sea. Well, you are beginning. well, what is all that about? Of course... He's trying to give hope and encouragement to suffering Christians during the time of Rome and great persecution. And even though they try to destroy Christ and the will of God and the Christ of God, they will not be uh, victorious in that. They will be defeated. And it always seems that way in the book of Revelation as you're reading through. It seems like error and evil is so strong. And then at the last minute, righteousness prevails. Uh, and then another scene will come up where it seems like it's so powerful, the evil that is in the world, and, and it's going to overcome the good. But at the last minute, the good will win out. And you see the wonderful message that God is conveying to his people. And then, of course, in 15 and 16, are the bowls of wrath. And it's another explanation of God chastising a wicked people. People, he's trying to get them to repent and turn to him out of obedient faith, but they just refuse the will of God and want to do things their way rather than God's way. And then 17 through 19 is about uh, Babylon the Great. And Babylon the Great, of course, is about the Roman Empire and the fall of the Roman Empire and how that God is going to destroy the Roman Empire and bring them down. And that would seem highly unlikely given the terror of the day, how that the church is being persecuted by the Roman world and how the church is being persecuted by the people of the state, but yet God says, I'm going to bring that down. That's going to be destroyed. And you can have great faith and confidence in that particular matter. And then the last portion, I divided it this way, the binding of Satan. And I just looked at chapters 20 through 22 as God bringing Satan down, death and Hades, of course, cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. Now, I know that there are a lot of symbols here. And even in my brief survey, which I tried to make it just as simple as I could and divide it up into subpoints as I did, there's a lot of symbols. And you might become confused with the symbols. And somebody says, you know, I just can't tackle that. I just can't understand that. And become afraid of the symbolism and the message of the book of Revelation. But please keep in mind, There Jesus is saying to John, happy is the man who reads this book. Happy is the man who studies it. Happy is the man who understands it. And so I thought, taking that cue from John, let's study the Beatitudes of the book of Revelation. And how many are there? You guessed it. There are seven. And we'll be very brief in our discussion tonight. But I will try to notice each of the seven and how they apply to us. Causing us to be happy Christian men and women. Well, the Phils already talked to us about the wonderful joys of living the Christian life, and how great it is to be a child of God. Well, the Book of Revelation is filled with that great message, and I want to study that with you tonight. Though I won't be able to do it justice, still we can go away from this place more determined to live for Christ than ever before, more determined to live the happy Christian life because of the wonderful blessings and the wonderful promises. That are given to us in this great book of the Bible. Which a lot of people are afraid to study. Which a lot of people never read. But yet it's a treasure trove of spirituality for the child of God. The first beatitude is the one that we've read already. is found for us in verse 3. And there if you have your Bibles with you. Please notice it with me. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Notice he described it as prophecy. This is not a book of history. This is not a book of poetry. This is not a book of law. This is a book of prophecy. And he's telling us about things which will take place. And of course the end result of this great matter might well be summarized in uh, Revelation chapter 17 and, and verse 14. There the Bible says, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And so we can surely take great comfort and encouragement on learning about this prophecy. It is not a book of history. It's not a book of law. It is a book of prophecy, which basically tells us the Lamb of God. And Jesus is referred to here as the Lamb of God. Is victorious, and we who are with him, in him, are victorious. We will become victorious as well. This is the prophecy. The book begins with this very upbeat, positive statement We will be victorious. And it does not matter how wickedness prevails throughout the land, it does not matter how terrible things might get, it doesn't matter how gloomy the horizon may seem. God and God's people will be victorious. You know that's seen throughout the book. One time he's looked upon uh, as one who was dead. but then look again, He's made alive, or he's one who's wounded, but that's not for long. He's been healed. or he's one who is defeated. But look again, He is victorious. And it's always that way in the book of Revelation. As it describes for us through these 22 chapters, God's people will be victorious. It doesn't matter where the problem is coming from, though in the book itself, it describes a lot of their day, of course, the Roman Empire, perhaps even Judaism and its attempts to thwart the people of God and the church of God and bring persecution upon the people of God. And certainly the Roman Empire of the day, a very ruthless, cruel, wicked way of uh, dealing with people. But yet, the Bible is saying through this wonderful book and through this prophecy, God's people will be victorious. Let me ask you a question. You have little problems in your life? Yeah, I suppose we do. You have difficulties in your life? Problems come up that you're not sure how to handle? Understand something. Even though life presents us with problems, the child of God will be victorious through Christ Jesus. What does the matter actually mean other than we will win over our problems, over our difficulties? Even Jesus said, Happy are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for so persecuted the prophets that were before you. Because of Christ and what he's done, I can be a happy person. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation in life and the problems that I might face. That's the first great beatitude that you read in the book of Revelation. The second one is found for us in chapter 14 and verse 13. And there the text tells us, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds do follow them. Blessed are they who die in the Lord. Happy is the individual who dies in Christ and with Christ. You know, this probably is the most violent book of the New Testament. I don't know of another book more violent than this, as you read through the book of Revelation. This may be the most violent book in the entire Bible. 22 chapters, and death is nearly on every page. Why, just take a moment and read. Antipas was killed, who was a member of the church at Pergamum. Jesus unlocks these seven seals. And what's the first thing that comes out of that first seal? Why, it's a white horse. But that white horse is one who comes forth to conquer with its rider. And then from the second seal comes a red horse, a blood red horse. And he's got a sword drawn, of course, which means warfare, coming to conquer, The third seal is opened up by Christ and what comes out of the third seal but a black horse with its rider and of course meaning famine. And then a fourth seal. What comes from the fourth seal but a pale horse and its rider meaning death and Hades. Opening up the fifth seal we see the altar and there under the altar the souls that have given their lives for Christ and been martyred for God calling upon God how long, how long will it be until you avenge our blood upon the earth. And God is telling them, you have to wait a while. You're going to have to be patient. There is a lot of suffering in the book of Revelation. There's a lot of death in the book of Revelation. I believe if it were a movie depicting accurately what you read from the pages of the book, it'd have to be rated R for violence. Because there's one violent scene after another in this book. And, of course, we understand that because of what the church was going through at the time. They were facing struggles and strife and persecution. And people were losing their lives because of the persecution that they faced. The next thing you know, there's a horrible beast rising up out of the sea. And then there's a beast coming up from the land. The beast of the sea and the beast of the land destroying all that uh, come uh, to them and oppose them. But what of it if we are in Christ? I'll stop and think about that for a moment. What of it if we're in Christ and have the proper relationship with God that we should have because we're children of God? Any family member here facing death? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Any family member here death in the past of a loved one or a family member? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we face death. Every family here has faced it. And what a tragedy. And I wouldn't want to minimize the suffering associated for that with that for one moment. But what of it if That loved one is in Christ. In that new relationship which one is born into by experiencing the new birth, John chapter 3, 3 through 5. Christians of the first century lost loved ones because of their faith. And John's writing to them and encouraging them, yes, it's a violent time. Yes, there's death. Yes, there's trouble on every hand and there's not a family who hasn't been touched by it but if you're in Christ happy is that person. He says, "And I heard a voice saying, write this: Blessed are the dead who die in the from now on." Blessed indeed says the spirit "...that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them." The labors that he's referring to is their faithful submission to the will of God. They may rest from their labors. They've been following the will of God. They're faithful servants of Christ. And now they may rest from the labor which they've done. It's not that they're earning their salvation... Or it's not some kind of ingenious kind of labor that they thought up for themselves. The labor that he has in mind here is the labor which faithful children of God go through in living for Christ. They may rest from their labors in being faithful servants of God and in turn go on to life's other side. Anyone here facing death? In a general sense... We all are. It is appointed unto man once. And after that cometh the judgment. We're all facing it at one time or another. We think because we have health and we have life that we really don't have to think about that in a serious vein. But who knows? Life is very short. And life is very uncertain. And we need to be prepared. No one knows. When they will leave or depart this life. It could be those who are older. It could be those who are younger. But what of it? If you die before I die before you do, what difference does that make so long as both of us die in the Lord and go to heaven? Happy is the person who dies in the Lord. He dies with the Lord in the Lord in that new relationship which he's found by being obedient to the gospel of Christ. The next beatitude is found for me in chapter 16 and the verse is verse 15. Behold I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Now this particular passage is found in the context of Armageddon and um, let me explain a little bit about what's going on here so that it makes more sense for us the sixth angel poured out his bowl verse 12 you remember in our structure of the book how that there were these bowls of wrath that were poured out and I identified the chapters associated with that and he says now this sixth angel pours his bowl of wrath out upon the earth which is designed to get people to repent and designed to get people to understand the need to be obedient to the gospel. And you be faithful now. You be faithful all the days of your life. Happy is the person who is because he has his robes washed and cleaned. Now, let me explain a little bit more about the Battle of Armageddon. And I'll have to be brief on this as uh, there's so much material here, there's a lot of debate. Over this discussion. But the battle of Armageddon already been fought and won. Jesus fought it and it's been won. It is a decisive battle. You and I have to go through it. We will have to decide am I going to live for Christ today or not. And we will fight this battle between right and wrong. Truth and error. There are times when we will win this battle. There are times when we will lose this battle. Adam and Eve fought the battle of Armageddon, the Garden of Eden, and they lost it. Jesus fought the battle of Armageddon and the mountain of temptation and won it. Matthew chapter 4. You and I will have to go to spiritual battle. The denominationalists, though, will take this discussion about the battle of Armageddon and try to lift it up and place it over in chapter 21. And that causes him to come up with an unusual eschatology about the end of time the premillennial view of course those books you remember left behind and all those very popular books that so many religious minded people were reading tries to make the battle of Armageddon something off in the future with tanks and bombs and ships and missiles and that kind of thing. that's not going to help suffering Christians in the first century John didn't have that in mind. John, recording the revelation of Christ, is saying, Behold, I'm coming like a thief. You remain watchful. Don't give up on this. Because no one knows when I am coming. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Remain vigilant. You know, continue to live the faithful Christian life. Keeping his garments on. Neck and be... Seen, exposed, using figurative language to help us understand the importance of being faithful to God all the days of our life. All the tenure that we are here in this very short time that we have life. Be faithful to God all those days. Turn with me to chapter 19. Chapter 19, he gives us another of the Beatitudes. It's found for us in verse 9. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Now the context of this goes back to chapter 18. And let me read just a few statements here, and that will become more obvious to us. In chapter 18 and 21, you see an angel who throws a millstone out into the sea. And because it's so heavy, it sinks right down to the bottom. In 1821, the text says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence. And so he's talking about the destruction of the Roman Empire. And then we get caught up now in chapter 19. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Rome has been defeated. And the cause of God is victorious. Notice how that carries us all the way through the chapter. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Notice verse 3. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. We're looking at the fall of Rome. The prophecy of it. It's going to happen. And the people of God are going to be victorious in the matter. Chapter 19 and 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. Notice verse 5, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of many or mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and, and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, write this down so people can study it. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This is the church of the Lord being united with Christ Christ. Matthew teaches us this particular matter and also we have it in Ephesians chapter 5. It tells us that God's people are to stand against error and be encouraged by the fact that God is going to take up their position and God is not going to let them fall. Happy is the person who realizes this and who studies this that we can, as Christian people, grow in this matter of love and joy. But I want to press on to chapter 20 and verse 6, which is the next uh, beatitude coming from the book of Revelation. And there he says, The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ... And they will reign with Him for a thousand years. Well, I'm in Revelation chapter 20. I'm in verse 6. And He's talking about the condemnation of the second death. But if you've experienced the first resurrection, you don't have to worry about the second death. The second death, of course, is condemnation. Eternal damnation. You'll remember what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. That he talks about justification and how wonderful it is that we're now in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Romans 8 verse 1 happy is the person who realizes that and thus can experience this matter he's been resurrected the first resurrection of course is his resurrection from the waters of baptism there will be another resurrection a general resurrection in which all men everywhere men and women will be raised from the dead but yet those who have experienced the first resurrection do not have to worry about the second death Which is eternal condemnation. Happy is the person who doesn't have to worry about that. Who doesn't have to fear that particular matter. Well we've talked a lot about this. Let's see if we can review just for a moment. While I have the time. Are others making life difficult for you? Have you had problems with life? Have you had to face death? Has someone in your family had to face it? Or maybe a close one? Are there forces spiritual well-being? Do you have the defeatist attitude? We're lost and there's nothing that we can do, and we're lost and there's nothing that anything can be done. Do you have this fear of condemnation, damnation? Does it bother you? I'm afraid I'm going to be lost. I'm afraid I'm going to be lost. There is no need for that, for the person who's gone through the first resurrection Been buried in Christ with baptism and raised up to walk out of newness of life. Romans chapter 6, 4 through 6. The book of Revelation with its beatitudes is giving us comfort and joy. Now you can tell when those people of the first century faced that. They were facing horrible consequences. We face difficulties in life. There's not a person here tonight who hasn't had problems from one set of problems to another. One difficulty to another. We all face them. Some have faced great tragedies in life. But we can face them with confidence and joy. Knowing that Christ is on our side. And that we will be victorious because of him. Now I want to press on just for a few minutes now. And look at the next beatitude. And it's found for us in chapter 22 and verse 7. And behold I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. We ought to mark that passage in your Bible. It talks about the integrity of the message. He says, now behold, I'm coming soon. Now what that means is, and so many times people misunderstand that point. It didn't mean that he was going to be in that century. He never had that in mind. He's saying these things will commence. The unfolding of these matters will commence. And it will take time, of course, for them to take place. It doesn't mean it's going to happen just right away. Some people actually have come up with a false notion. That Jesus returned in the first century. What an absurdity that is. The Bible's not telling us that. It was never intended to tell us that. Yet at the same time it does say. That the commencing of these matters would begin. But it would take years and generations of time for it to be accomplished. But notice our point for consideration. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy. We've got to study the word of God. There cannot be a passage in God's Word that we're afraid to study and read. There cannot be a book in the Bible that we feel like is just so far beyond us we can't understand it. We've got to study it. We've got to understand it. And brethren, we've got to personally apply it to our lives. If we fail in any one of these areas, we're going to fail in our duty to the Word of God. The Word of God is sure. The Word of God is true. And we have got to study it. And we've got to understand it properly. And we've got to apply it to ourselves to be pleasing in the sight of God. But I've got another. It's found for us in 22 and verse 16. And this great passage is trying to tell me how important it is for for me to remain faithful to God. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right that they may enter the city of the gates. I'm in Revelation 22, and the verse is verse 14. It is the seventh of seven beatitudes. He says, now happy is the person who washes his robes. It's a figurative expression. It is an expression of our lives and our spiritual well-being. Now, the present active is used in that particular verb, Blessed are those who wash. They keep washing. They keep washing. In other words, their souls are cleansed over and over and over by the blood of Christ. Blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And who is the continual recipient of that blood. As we continue to walk in the light as he is in the light. I tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds me of Acts 22 and verse 16. Where a Saul of Tarsus who was praying was told, "Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Get up and be baptized for the remission of your sins." And that blood, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, continues to cleanse and continues to cleanse and continues to cleanse. Hence the meaning of the tense of the verb. "Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life. That they may enter the city by the gates tells us about happy people. The happiest people I know are Christian people because they understand something of the blessings we enjoy in Christ. But I have to say, some of the most miserable people I know are Christian people because they have never been able to know the blessings that God has in store for them, the love God has for them, the desire that God has for them to be living the Christian life and to go with Him in heaven forever and ever story is told of a Roman Emperor about uh, the Byzantine era and uh, I don't want to get into the specifics of the Emperor but uh, because it's a rather complicated story and he wanted to unite the Roman Empire the Roman Empire by this particular time is really facing uh, challenges from all sorts of different areas Uh, the Slavs and, and the North and the Germanic tribes are really challenging the Roman Empire and it was not an easy thing to keep this vast empire under control and as time would go along and different emperors would come and sit upon that that seat of authority they in turn would have difficulty in maintaining the peace and maintaining the rule and the authority of Rome and one Roman emperor decided this is what we'll do we're going to put a god the picture of a god or the image of a god in the forum." And everybody's God will have an image, and we'll put it in the forum. And, and that way, everybody will be happy, and we'll unite the empire that way. And so they came to the Christians of the day, and they said, We need an image of, of uh, Christ to put into the forum, and put it on a pedestal. And there, you can have an image of Christ, along with all these other gods, that will be in the forum, and as people go through, they will see their God, and everyone will be united, having all these different gods. But the Christians wouldn't send in or give an image of Christ. And the question was, well, why don't you cooperate? Why don't you take part in this particular matter? And they would try the best they could to try to tell them, there is no description of Christ. There is no description in the pages of the Bible as to what He looked like. Uh, we don't believe in Christ, we don't believe in images like that. We, we don't have an image of Christ, we, we don't have a likeness that we can give. And so the pedestal was there standing empty. A pedestal was placed there without an image. All the other images. As time would go along, Constantine becomes an emperor. Constantine supposedly according to the text becomes a Christian type emperor and now of Christ which once was an outlaw faction has become the religion of the state and Constantine goes through the forum and he removes all the images in the forum But the podium, the pillar, that had no image, was left. That may be... We've got too many worldly images in our heart to really be happy. We've got too many of this world's goods and desires in our mind... To really enjoy the Christian life. If we could get rid of all the images. If we could get rid of all the pillars of all these different gods. And get rid of all these particular matters that are conflicting. And just have this teaching of Christ in our heart and in our mind. our mind, It'd make us happy people. And perhaps the reason we're not as happy as we ought to be. Because our heart is filled with too many other things. Too many other images. Too many other gods. John is saying, you as a Christian can be happy regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the problems because Christ is victorious and you are in Christ and with Christ. Let's get all the other images of our mind and let's focus on Christ as the Savior of our soul. You can be a happy person even though you face the problems of life like I do and everyone else does. And the book of Revelation is for you. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, I urge you to do that tonight by being baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. I urge you to repent of your sins and become a Christian. To confess your faith in Jesus Christ and be immersed in water as the Bible teaches. To be added to the body of the church and to live for Him every day for the rest of your life. And live a happy life regardless of the difficulty and the circumstances, and then go to heaven to be with the redeemed of all ages and with God and with Christ. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.